my question here is also on the law of one. I mean, you're really an expert on it. So I'm focusing a lot of questions on the law of one, you know, taking advantage of, of your generous time. Um, you know, it, it's interesting because in the law of one, the whole goal of um, of it is to ascend through the densities and go past up to seven. And then I think, does Ross say that there's an eighth density and basically that's the return to source? Is that the whole goal of, of, of a soul to ascend through these densities and return to source and become one with God, so to speak? Essentially, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you see, because Tom Campbell, when asked, you know, what's the purpose? He says, we just go on and on, like forever. There is no end. Yeah. But you do believe that there is an end eventually. Yeah, no, in the grand scheme, there really isn't because e even the soul that's on an evolutionary journey right now is just one of the fractals of the one source, which you are. So you're not even the soul that's on an evolutionary journey, right? You are the source that is birthing universe after universe forever and has always been doing that. So from the soul's perspective, there is an end, so to speak, which would be the eighth density uh, merging back with the allness of the creator. But when you merge back with the creator, you become the creator, right? With the understanding of I am infinite, I am eternal, I am every universe that has ever existed. And so Ra, Ra sort of likens, uh, you know, every universe has, we could say the Big Bang, the, the singularity point that expands outwards like a sphere in all directions. And then at some point, Ra says it will coalesce back, back into itself and uh, back into the singularity point. All of the data that was gathered in that expansion and contraction goes back into the source. And then a new universe is born, a new Big Bang. And Ra says that implosion, explosion of universes is happening forever and actually likens that to the heartbeat of the one infinite creator. So I actually see us as souls as, uh, I think Tom Campbell would like this uh, analogy, sort of as like data gathering devices for the source. Because again, in, in one sense, the source has no clue what it is, and it's just dreaming inside of itself and experiencing a universe, and then it collapses again, and it goes, oh, that's what I'm like. But that's just one possibility. So let's do it again, and then again, and it's just forever doing that. In a sense, we as souls on these evolutionary journeys are kind of like the teeth that are chewing existence in such a way that the source can swallow it and digest it. We're the ones who go out and have a life and experience manifestation and realize that we are the source and then merge back with the source. You know, in that way, it's just um, sending out its tentrails and then pulling them back again and then analyzing all the data. And Ra says it then makes the next universe based upon all the data that was gathered in that journey, that universe it just created. And then the next one is built on that foundation. And that's going on forever and ever. If that's the case, and we're just kind of like the, I guess, the workers for, you know, God, so to speak, um, does anything really matter? And I also, I think that people would be surprised to hear you say that, you know, the creator doesn't really realize 
you know, what it's, what it is. It's, it's just, it has no idea. I think a lot of people believe like God is all powerful. It knows every single thing, doesn't make any mistakes and it knows exactly what it's doing, you know, maybe even orchestrating everything. So mm-hmm. there's a, there's a contrast there between what you said. And I think that might open pe- some people's eyes, but well, yeah. You know, in response to my first question, which I, I, I kind of even forgot what I just said, but <laughs> if you remember, if you could answer it, if you remember it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I'll give you two um, parts to this answer. This was one of the teachings in the Law of One that really resonated with me. This idea that um, Ra says every single thing in creation is like an experiment that the creator is running. And it actually doesn't know the answer or the, the results until the experiment is run. Uh, so the, the term is the logos in the law of one. A galaxy would be the first logos, at least that we know of. And uh, each star inside of the galaxy is a sub logos. Each planet around each star is a sub sub logos. And then every being on each planet is a sub 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 logos. And so a galaxy is an experiment where the creator, you know, the logos that is that galaxy sort of decides a lot of the different laws and archetypes that will run that galaxy. This is why every galaxy looks different when scientists look out, right? We just had the uh, James Webb did that. And every galaxy has like a different shape. Some are spherical, some are more disc-like, some are amorphous and stuff. It's because they're all operating on these different archetypal laws of some sort. Well, then every star in that galaxy or sub logos inherits those laws and then makes their own laws out of those, maybe like the 12 zodiac signs in our star, in our sun. And then every person on that, on the planets in that star system lives under the laws of those zodiac signs, as we know. So Ross says, like, if you could travel to the next closest star and somehow you could study their zodiac and what zodiac signs they have. It would be similar to yours. Uh, you may have many of the same zodiac signs, but there'd be some differences. So, like maybe they have only nine zodiac signs on their star system, or maybe they have 13, or maybe they have 12, but one of them is different than ours, right? But the farther away you travel from each, from your own star, the more and more alien those zodiacs would be to you. And uh, in one passage, they ask Ra if anyone from their social memory complex has traveled to faraway galaxies in their incarnations and come back to describe what it was like. And Ra says, yes, some of our memory complex have done this. And what they reported back to us about the you know, planets and worlds that they incarnated on, they say, would baffle the mind and confound the intellect. <laughs> which I thought's an interesting answer from a six-density social memory complex to say that. It's like, wow, I can't even conceive of that. So I, I actually really think we need to sit with this uh, view of creation as original, perfect innocence that because the creator is all alone, it doesn't actually know what it is until it makes the universe. And now that would only be true from the from the polarity of the creator that is in time. So if we say there's a yin and a yang to the creator, there's a time and a timeless. Well, the timeless aspect of the creator, we could say, yes, it does know everything. 
because it's already all possibilities that could ever happen, right? So all universes that exist in that infinity already are there and it knows them all. But it has to have a, an opposite to itself, which is the time-bound aspect of the creator. And that would be like um, Ishvara in the Hindu tradition, which is like the God that creates the universe, the God that we worship as a deity and all of that. Um, that creator doesn't actually know anything because it's discovering itself and it's, it's experiencing the mystery of, wow, I'm like this, I'm like that, you know, and all of this, uh, that's, there's something very sacred about that. And when we, when we become aware of that innocent nature of the creator, uh, we actually start to see it in creation. We see the innocence in a, you know, a ladybug in a leaf on a tree in uh in a person we, we see innocence everywhere it's just this constant like self-knowingness that's going on and it's just perfect in its own way and so the second part of my answer is um this was this was revealed to me in an experience i had on psilocybin uh a, at least a year maybe before i discovered the law of one and what happened was i'd taken a, a really big dose of psilocybin i think like five grams or something and uh, I was working through my dark night of the soul at that point. So I was taking plant medicines a lot to try and do a lot of healing. And so I took this massive dose of psilocybin one day. And I had this amazing experience where I was laying on my bed. And uh, as it happens on psychedelics, a certain voice kind of spoke to me and said, you know, intuitively, wordlessly, like an experience wants to happen right now. That's going to be shocking to you. And you're going to have to really surrender if you want to have this experience. But do you want to have it? And so my answer to the mushrooms or whatever was, yes, I do. And so the, the intelligence spoke back and said, okay, the first thing that's going to happen is your eyes are going to have to roll back in your head. And you're going to have to let that happen. And I sort of went, oh, no, 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 I'm not doing that. That's crazy town. You know, if my roommate walked in, he would call the ambulance and think I lost my mind. I'm not doing that. And the, the intelligence was very loving and it said, no problem. You don't have to do it. Just letting you know, this is the way it's going to have to work if you want this experience. And so that really disarmed me. And I went, ah, okay, I, I, I guess I'll let that happen. So I let my eyes roll back in my head. And then it said, the next thing that's going to happen is your jaw is going to open and, and be like stretched wide open and flexed. And you're going to have to let that happen. And again, I went, no way, no way how that I'm letting that happen. If anyone sees me, they're going to call the psych ward on me and you know what, all this stuff. And again, it said the same thing. No problem. You don't have to do it. But if you want this experience, that's what's going to need to happen. And so I was so close and just went, all right, I've already let my eyes roll back. Might as well let the jaw go. So I'm laying in bed and doing this, right? <clears throat> and as soon as I surrendered to the full like weight of that experience. It just kind of tore me out of my body. And I was in some kind of dimension or plane that was pure light. <clears throat> and as I'm looking through this blinding light, almost like in a foggy haze, I see an image appearing in front of me. <clears throat> and so I focus on it and I sort of knew intuitively that what is being shown to me is actually God God is wanting to show me a deep, um, intimate part of itself. 
that many people don't get to see. This is a very sacred thing that's going to be shown to me. I just like knew it in an instant. And so I'm gazing at this image that's forming, and I know this is what God is like. God is showing me what it's like. And the image that appeared was like a two- or three-year-old little girl uh, in the moment of looking at a butterfly that was flying in front of it, kind of reaching out to touch it. And this, this child was in absolute awe and rapture and wonder of this butterfly. And I immediately knew what the image was conveying, again, as we do on psychedelics, right? And what it was showing me was that God is the most innocent possible thing that could ever exist, like a child looking at a butterfly. And it was so shocking because when I saw this, a part of my ego wanted to go tell this little child, oh my gosh, you have to understand you are the creator. You're the supreme being. Don't you know it? And as soon as I had the urge to do that, something in me silenced that and just grabbed it and muted it and went, no, do not go contaminate the perfection of what that is. Like, it's not supposed to know what it is. It's earlier than knowing itself. You know, it's like the most ancient thing you could ever conceive of. And it's, it's beyond perfection even. Like, leave it all alone. It can't be improved. And so it was this, this mind-blowing recognition that whatever we call it, God, if we want to call it that, in its most original essence is so innocent, it doesn't even know it's God. Like you think about if I could see God, it would be like this monarchical being who's all knowing and I created the universe. But when I saw God, it wasn't like that. Like God didn't even know its own name, but something about that is what made it so perfect. So I actually love that view of the creator that it is so innocent that it needs to make a universe to know itself. I think just like we love children and, and puppies and innocent things because they're innocent, I think when we see the innocence of the divine, we fall in love with it just like that. Yeah, that, that is, uh, you took me on a ride there in that last story. I mean, you made me see God in a way that I don't think I've ever viewed it. Very uh, amazing. Beautiful, man. 